0: We welcome you to another edition of the official Titans podcast. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here as usual. Hello, Mike. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Dave McGinnis Hi, is Mike here. Keith. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. And here is the great Jim Wyatt. I appreciate the intro. Not worthy, but I'm here, and I appreciate it. TitansOnline.com, senior writer, editor. We are excited about this edition of the OTP because we're excited about all of them, but we're especially excited because your questions through the OTPQs, which have been compiled by Amy Wells, tell people, Amy, how they submit otpqs that we like to answer during the official titans podcast
1: titansonline.com slash otpq i go in there's a form i gather all of the questions and then i ask them to you fine gentlemen this is how this works let them roll all right we're going to start at the very beginning and jim this one is directed at you but everyone feel free to chime in mike oh sorry sorry howard (laughs) this is from howard in california i got ahead of myself Howard asks, Mike Vrabel is taking on an additional role in the defense next season. How difficult is it for a head coach to be involved in game day play calling while still attempting to manage the game? How much of a distraction is that at critical moments within a game?
2: Well, and I'm going to defer to Coach Mike. I'm going to let him jump in on this early because he, he knows that a lot better than I do. I would think that a lot of the work, Will be done during the course of the week that would make it easier on game day for him. You know, we watch him. You know, we're one of the, the, the few, the select few that get to watch practice and know how involved Mike Vrabel has been in this defense ever since he's been here. I notice him coaching guys up, making sure guys are in the right position. If something's not done right, do it this way. And then I watch games on Sunday. And see some of the things that Mike Vrabel has taught during the course of the week, see how it's executed, and think, okay, this is something Vrabel taught. And I think he'll continue, he, it, it will just be a continuation of what he has done. I'm not trying to take away from anything Dean Peace has done because this kind of been his show, but Mike Vrabel has been very much involved all the way through. This is going to be different for him, and uh, I'm going to let Coach Mack kind of explain that part of it. He can so much better than I can.
3: Well, I've done this. I mean, I, I, I've done this, but your perspective. We have watched Mike Vrabel in practice, and he's he's involved in much more than the defense. I mean, we've watched him do a lot of things hands-on with offensive players, with defensive players, and and to your point about during game day, you know, Mike Vrabel is not one of those head coaches that stands on the sideline without a headset on. He is, he is very involved in, in, in what's going on. and uh, You talked about the hands-on teaching out here. He's also involved in the hands-on implementation of game plans during the week. I mean, I haven't sat in any of those meetings, I, but I know that. I know that just by talking to him. I know that just by watching him. This won't be this won't be a, a, a an extra burden. What he will do, I think, if you know, he brought Jim, he you know brought Jim Hazlitt in here. The one thing you cannot manufacture in this business is is experience. You can't manufacture experience. Has has done everything. Has has gone through the progression in this league too. He's been he's been a position coach. He's been a coordinator. He's been a head coach. You know, I, I've been in the league. You know, uh, you know, has came up through. I've done a lot of things with Jim Hazlitt. He added a lot of experience to his staff. You know, which you've got to have. So he's got plenty of help. But he's also look these last two years, even with Dean Pease here. Believe me, he's had a lot of hands-on to do with this. So his hands-on ability and his hands-on involvement will not change. Now it will be. It will remain to be seen. And he may share this with us. He may not, as far as to who on game day is actually calling it play-by-play-by-play. We'll see how that works out. But this is not too big for Mike Vrabel to handle, I promise you. I've done it.
1: Now, Mac, you mentioned Jim Hazlitt and uh, Michael Hayes from Guntersville, Alabama, knows that you know every person in the National Football League. Pretty much, so, Michael. <laughs> so he said, "What do you know about Jim Hazlitt? Do you know him personally?" Well, oh, absolutely, Coach Mac?
3: I know him personally. You know, when he when he came into the league, you know, when we uh, when the when the combine first started. You know, now that they have, they have so many of the extra quarterbacks they'll bring in to throw routes, you know, to the individual to, to individual drills. But we never did that. We, we as assistant coaches, would throw the drills. You know, that's why my arm's gone right now. But Hazlitt, myself, John Fox, I mean, a lot of us used to work and throw those drills together. I mean, I've known Haz, you know, I knew Haz as a player when he was in the league, you know, had a very good career at Buffalo, you know, a very good career. Haz, uh, who's Jim Hazlitt, myself, Gary Kubiak and John Fox all interviewed for the New Orleans Saints uh, head job at the same time, I mean he's been a coordinator when I was a coordinator. I know I know Has very very well. Excellent football coach. Really really gets the game from all different levels. Uh, he's a lot like Mike Vrabel in the fact that he came up as a player, you know, and as as a significant player in this league. I, I know Has very well. He's getting you know what and 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 Vrabes knows him too. And what he's getting is he's getting an experienced football coach that has seen it from a lot of of different angles. But as far as do I know Jim Hazlitt personally. Absolutely. Yes, I do. And it's a big thumbs up to me on this hire.
1: Now, Mac, as we're talking about coaches, I want to stick with you for just a second, because Jerry from St. Louis asks, how does the addition of secondary coach Anthony Midget appro- improve this Titans secondary? It feels like for years, the Titans have been giving up quite a few passing yards.
3: Yeah. Passing yards. Again, uh, Jerry from St. Louis, passing yards mean zero. Passing yards means zero. You know, touchdowns mean everything. This defense, this defensive secondary, Kerry Combs did a great job with this secondary. It was it, it was a, a very it, first of all it it to watch them work, and I think to really appreciate what this secondary does and what the secondary did with this defense to watch them grow and to watch them practice and a lot of the things that they were doing defensively, a lot of it you know, and, and a lot of the problems that they gave opposing quarterbacks during the course of of two seasons stemmed from the fact that they were so synchronized so well because of, of the work that they put in and how intricate and detailed they were as disguising coverages, being able to work things. And then plus, what he did, what, what Kerry did, he was able to, to, to come in as a, as a new coach, in the, National, in the National Football League, and, and, very much, and very much improved techniques. But they also trusted him. They trusted him you know, because of his energy and because of what he put into it. And he had a lot of different guys from a lot of different avenues at a lot of different points in their career that he assembled very, very well. This was a very, very good secondary. The last thing that you need to worry about, there's a lot of things in life to worry about with football. Yards are the last thing you worry about defensively.
1: Jim, I want to switch over to you and talk a little bit about offense because we got a lot of questions about the offensive side of the ball as well. And this one comes from Ryan in Alabama. He says, do you think that Janu Smith and Corey Davis will get used, will be used, excuse me, in our offense more this upcoming season? I really like both of their games. and would love to see more of a role for them.
2: I would think so. I mean, I think both those guys have have continued to progress during the course of their career. We've seen it from John Smith. The more opportunities he gets, the more he takes advantage of them. So I continue to see – I see continued improvement for him. I think with Corey Davis, you know, he's going to do what is asked of him to do. And A.J. Brown obviously coming off a tremendous rookie season. I expect to see that to continue as well. And, uh, you know, Corey Davis is a great blocker. Uh, you know, certainly when given opportunities, he has made a lot of plays for this team. Uh, I think that's what I think you got to be so optimistic about as you look forward to next season with this offense. You got A.J. Brown heading to second year, should be that much more improved. Corey Davis is a pro at this point, does all the dirty work. Adam Humphreys, another year in the system as long as they can keep him healthy. I mean, you've got a good threesome at receiver right there, and we'll have to see what happens with Tajay Sharp and free agency and see. You know, maybe who else is competing on the back end? But I like the weapons on this team, and uh, I think both those guys going to get a lot of opportunities moving forward.
3: The thing to keep in mind, please, is that you have one football per play. And that's, I mean, you have one football per play, and we've got a, we've got a lot of weapons. So, you know, and, and, and I get this question also just out, you know, but Corey Davis is a is a good player, and Corey Davis is a, is a big part of this offense. You know, but to say will they be used more, I mean, they're used in conjunction with what the game plan is. But as I said,
2: one ball per play.
1: Till the XFL throws in three or four. Then we'll adjust. And a
2: lot of times that ball is going to the running back, too. So that limits, like, I, I, I get, you know, continue to get, well, Ryan Tannehill, you know, he didn't play very well in the postseason. Post His passing numbers weren't good with because he threw the ball, you know, 14 times in the, in the first game and 15 times second game because this team's relying on the running game. And that – impacts the targets that the receivers are getting it's not that the receivers had an off day on some of those days it's just the game plan called for you to run the football and you and that that's going to impact you know targets and catches
3: let me take you into you know you talk about game plan and that's a good when you're game planning as a coach on offense or defense I promise you the first thing that you do not do when you go into a game plan is how many yards can we get this guy this game how many yards can we get this guy this game? That's not, you go into it and how can we win this game this week? That's what good game planning is. That's what you saw this football team do last year a really good job of, winning games week to week that they had to win, especially down the stretch, regardless of where the football went.
1: Now, Jim, you brought up Ryan Tannehill, so we have to do this combined question from a variety of OT people who just threw out some names as quarterback possibilities for the Tennessee Titans. So Steve from Manhattan, Kansas, Luke from Nashville, Tennessee, they both threw out some names. If Tannehill isn't the option, would Teddy Bridgewater be a good option to pursue? What about Blake Bortles? What about Tom Brady? What about Phillip Rivers? We've got a running list here. So let's just, for this point in the OTP, let's talk about the quarterback. Do you think that there's an option at free agency? Do you think that there's an option at draft? Do you think that there's an option of signing Ryan Tannehill? Let's talk about it now.
2: Uh, I think all those are options. (laughs) I think the number one is Ryan Tannehill. I I continue to get questions about Tom Brady in my mailbag, and my answer has always been the same. One, I'm not going to disrespect Ryan Tannehill by talking about some of these other guys based on what he did in 2019. And two, I always say I like my job too much than to, to put myself in a position where I'm uh, accused of tampering by talking about a quarterback that's on somebody else's roster at this point. I always think, what would the general manager say if he's listening to this and hearing me talking about guys who are employed by other teams right now? So. I'll talk about Tannehill now, but I'm I'm not in a position where I feel comfortable talking about anybody else uh, but him until something's resolved there.
3: There's plenty of time to talk about everybody, and, and, and Jim's right. I mean that's the you know right now right now you know the focus is and, and and the conversations are how can we make this football team better for next year? That's what that's what everything is focused on, and that's that's what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and and everybody that's involved in a decision making position. Is, is involved with right now and and just throwing out random names i mean it, it, it might make for good clicks but it's it that's not what they're doing
0: right now I think it needs to be pointed out to take Jim's point a step further players are under contract until the next fiscal year starts on March the 18th and there is a legal tampering period I think it's March the 16th through the 18th where free agents have a chance to do that now Phillip Rivers' situation is a little different because he and the Chargers have announced that he will not be back even though he's under contract. So that's maybe a little bit of a different one. I'm going to tell you what I told my mother at dinner the other night. (laughs) Okay? What were you guys eating? We were eating at Connors. Okay. Which Mm -hmm. is always good. Connors Steakhouse at Cool Springs. Love the Connors. But I, I said, with John Robinson, anything is possible. We've seen it. We've seen him go, you know, we've seen him go shopping everywhere. We've seen him go shopping at Fifth Avenue, Manhattan, you know, go to the fanciest stores. We've seen him shop flea markets. We've seen him shop online. We've seen him shop the the discount stores. We've seen him shop everything in between. He's going to look at every single option that's best for the football team. And When people ask me at church, when my mama asked me, when anybody asked me, that's what I say to them right now is, I'm not getting into specifics. I don't know who's who. But, Jim, I think that's what – in four years of covering this man, I think that's what we've learned is that John Robinson is going to look at every option. We don't know what he thinks. We don't know what his conversations with Tannehill's agent has been like. Tannehill has a new agent who knows but I think the unpredictability of John Robinson is one of his strengths as he goes to maneuver however, we don't know anything except what his past history is and that is that he's going to look at everything
2: yeah and that's taken the market into consideration sure and we've mentioned some of the quarterbacks who could become available and there it's a it's a pretty long list mm-hmm. of quarterback and that's going to influence what uh, what guys are gonna make or what their value is across the league. And again, as you stated, we, we don't know what talks are like with, with Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry or some of these other agents, Vin Marino and, and John Robinson work through that on a daily basis. But uh, we also all know there are different avenues where you can keep players using tags those are costly and they can impact what you are able to do in other areas in free agency. You don't want to, you know, handcuff yourself by signing a guy or two and you lose everybody else along the way. So there's a lot of things that you have to consider uh, as you make these decisions. And uh, we're still several weeks away before you really have to make some hard decisions and free agency starts
1: now you guys referenced something that chad from mount juliet actually asked about so just for clarification's sake to talk about all of the tools that john robinson has at his disposal he says could y'all explain the difference between the franchise tag and the transition tag what are the advantages and disadvantages of each
0: you want me to take that yes i had put something together just as sort of a Something that I would know so that I would understand. Okay, we're in the last year of the collective bargaining agreement between the players and, and the owners. Because this is the last capped year of that CBA, teams have a right to use both tags, the franchise tag and the transition tag. In a normal year, teams can only use one of those. But because it's the last capped year, both tags are available. The franchise tag can be used on one player. That means that player is going to be designated a salary that is the average of the top five players at his position over a five-year period or 120% of what he made the last year, whichever is higher. So if 120% of his salary from the year before is higher than the top five average, then he gets that 120%. All that money counts against the cap, okay? So if so-and-so gets a $20 million franchise tag, that's $20 million that's a bite out of the cap right away. And that's why it's a disadvantage to the teams. There are two types of franchise tags. There's the non-exclusive and that allows the player to negotiate with other teams. His current team can match. If they choose not to, that team is entitled to two first-round picks. Okay.
1: From the other team? From the
0: other team. Okay. So that's the non-exclusive. The exclusive tag, which is rarely used, does, allow a, does not allow a player to negotiate with other teams. He's tagged. All right, so that's franchise. The transition tag can be used on one player per team this year, pledging a player the average salary of the top 10 players at his position. The transition tag allows a player to negotiate with other teams. His team can match. His current team can match. But if they don't, his current team gets nothing. All right, the tag window starts on February 25th and runs through March 10th. So if you're going to tag a player, you have to do it in that February 25th to March 10th window. The league normally announces the official tag values at each position around March 1st. Here are the estimates for quarterback and running back that I've seen, and I'm just throwing these out based on different things I've read, but I think they're gonna be pretty close. The quarterback transition tag number is gonna be about twenty-seven million dollars. That's twenty-seven million in salary for twenty twenty. The transition for quarterbacks is gonna be about twenty-five million. For running back, the franchise tag number is gonna be about ten point four million. The transition is going to be about $8.6 million. Teams can use the tag. So let's say that Team X tags their quarterback. They have until July the 15th to negotiate a new deal. So they could go ahead and slap the tag on their quarterback and can hold him in place, basically. And then... They have until July fifteenth to make a new deal. If they don't by July fifteenth, then he's playing the year under whatever tag they have applied. So it's franchise transition, and that's and that's how it works. And at this point, with no new CBA in place, and that could change, each team can use both of those this year. When in a normal year, they can they have to pick one.
3: Let me let me add one caveat to all okay. of that. For those things, to, all of that—that—that that, that was a wonderful explanation. Very and, thorough, that, right? No, no, it it's perfect, mm-hmm. and that was beautiful. That's perfect for all of that stuff to happen. The player has to sign the tag; mm-hmm. they have to sign it because it, it, the the tag can still be put on a player, and they can refuse to sign it. Mm-hmm. That is also that is also in play. And tags can be withdrawn too. Absolutely, can't they? that that's a part of it too.
2: And and with the new CBA, this is a question I don't know the answer to, and and you guys might. How, let's say this team wants to use the tag two years in a row without without a CBA in place. Do we know whether that's going to be? I think
0: rules would theoretically apply right now based on what's in place. I mean, everybody is going with the theory that you're that you're that you've got to think about the rules that are in place now. But I think there's some understanding that some of these things are going to change. Yeah. So. So teams are having to look at it as we've got to go with what we know right now because we have no choice to, to know what's going to happen in the future. And that's why the players' decision about whether or not they are going to accept the offer and potentially put some caveats of the new CBA into the 2020 season, you know, that's all up in the air right now.
1: All right. Susan from Franklin. Franklin. She said, I think that chemistry on this team is a big part of our success last year. That being said, how will we re-sign all of our free agents and still have enough money to sign our draft picks? Jim?
2: Well, I don't, this team's not going to sign all the free agents. I, th- I think you know, between un- unrestricted, restricted, exclusive rights free agents, I think it equals 22. Um, now, I expect half of those guys back. I mean, maybe not even that number. Uh, and every year across the league i mean there's at least a 20 25 percent turnover every season between new free agents and draft picks so uh, chemistry from one season to the next i think you're able to keep some of it in place because you as long as you have your core guys back but it's i think every year is kind of a new year and you've got to uh, got to build that during the course of the off season, and it, you no, know, during the course of the season.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna build on on Jim and, and regardless of whether you have free agents or not, and the number the percentage, Jim, is higher than twenty five percent. It's 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 a little over thirty percent every year, regardless of how many free agents you have. That's the one thing that is a is a constant in the National Football League since since the free agency and, and you know came in. The free agency and the salary cap have made this a constant. It's about a thirty percent flip every year. So you're never going to have the same team year to year to year. That ended when free agency and the salary cap came in.
1: Now, Mac, I'm gonna stick with you because Richard in Virginia asks, is there a scenario where we have enough cap space to sign Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and Logan Ryan?
3: Sure you do. I mean you do. I mean you can you can maneuver you can maneuver the cap. Vin Marino was one of the best. I mean these guys look I've worked a cap before. I mean I've cleared a cap. I mean, just you know, because that's what I did, you know. When I was a head coach, and you know, when I was a coordinator and an assistant head coach, was involved in these types of things. There are different. the The cap is, I mean, there's a there's there used to not be a floor to the cap that you had to spend to. There was only a ceiling. Now that once they put a floor in, and the floor is going to change too, as far as how much you know what they call cash over cap that you absolutely have to spend per year. But there are a lot of ways that you can maneuver a cap as to where you can move money you know one place and another and the, and the biggest thing is is even with players on your team you can renegotiate and 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 give them a chunk of their money and make it a signing bonus where you can prorate it out there's a lot of things that you can do with the cap so it's not just we have this pile of money we have this many players and once you reach zero you reach zero you hardly ever reach zero in in essence
1: now tony from New Zealand says first off I love listening to the show it's the best way to get Titans news on the other side of the world New Zealand is rather far away guys my question for you is at what stage can John Robinson begin negotiations with the Titans pending free agents
2: they've already started yeah I mean I, do it right now I, yeah I think they've probably got a lot of a uh, lot of lines of communication that are being worked uh, you know as we speak and a uh, lot and a lot of times these things don't get finalized until you get closer to a deadline and i know it used to be uh you know you'd have the combine and then the combine would end on maybe a, a sunday monday tuesday and free agency would start that wednesday i mean so a lot of times the negotiations were fast and furious in indianapolis because you had to make decisions this year we've got the combine and you've still got a couple of weeks left until free agency starts so Uh, You know, there's potential something could happen with guys here before the combine even starts later this month. But I still expect a lot of things will start to take, you know, start to happen once you get closer to that deadline in the middle of March. But it's already started.
0: Because to that point, what we were discussing earlier – the Titans players are still under contract with the Titans until the start of the fiscal year, March the 18th. So, yes, you can have those conversations. Jim, I think they'll probably sign. I mean, we'll probably have some news in the next two to three weeks of some guys going ahead and, and making deals.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And, and some. Of and, these, I mean, who that is, yeah, we don't know. But
0: it, I, that that happens with every team.
2: But I think, the you know, the longer it goes, you know, the <laughs> players obviously – are curious about the market and curious to see what uh, what they might get at other places. Uh, uh, some of them obviously might not have a choice uh, because of, of the tag that we have talked about that could be applied. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some deals happen here in the next couple of weeks.
0: And, Coach, sometimes the teams want players to go test the market.
3: No, absolutely, and that's part of the negotiation. You know, depending on where, on where the player is, depending on what the market is, as you said, Mike, is, is very, you know, sometimes that's part of the negotiation. And, and, and you will say that to go test it. You will say that to the player's representative, go test it. And then, you know, let's see if you've, if you've reached, you know, a, an impasse. And, and I'm not talking about a hard impasse. I'm just talking about if you want to talk in generalities, absolutely. That's part of the negotiating process. But that's also why, to both of your points, why the league has changed their calendar. That's a big reason because the league sets their calendar. And, and they, they found out, you know, throughout the years. And Jim just brought up the fact that, you know, you, we used to be scrambling, I mean, quite a bit, you know. And so all of this, all of this thing takes place. It's, I mean, I, and, and for our listeners, and our listeners get great information from the OTP here, because this is, they, you need to understand that it's not just a real hard and fast, okay, this is how much money we have, and let's sign everybody right now. There's a whole lot to right now, having a lot of being able to keep your powder dry, keep everything close to your chest with what you're doing. You know, when I first started in this league, Bill Tobin had a big sign in his personnel room, and the only thing it said was, loose lips, sink ships. So don't talk right now. (laughs) you don't talk right now outside of what's going on that's the way but there's a lot of conversation going on right now i guarantee it
1: all right mac let's talk about some players on the defensive side of the ball sean from bluemont virginia Says, what do you think DeAndre Walker's impact could be next year after being out his first Shawn, year? Sean, I
3: like that. I like that question. Thank you very much because I think this is one of the forgotten players, and you know he was on. He 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 was put on. I remember you know when when Mike Keith and I were doing the draft this year, and and we got down to that point, and we were both looking, and 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 he asked me during the who is here now at this point, you know that we could use, and and this was one of the guys that we had pinpointed because of, you know, he's not a, and I think at the time, Mike, is what I said was this is not a player that's, that's got great height, but he plays long. He plays long he 's got you know and, and I really like the way that I like the way that he played, and I thought that he would really fit into what Mike Varable wanted to do because he's a he's a high energy player he's a player that they used in a lot of different positions you know once they put him on IR I, and as you said i 'm one of the fortunate ones with uh, the other three of you that get to watch practice every day, you could watch him work uh, you know I talked to him, I talked to him several times this year, just coming off from his workout when I would be standing watching you know and you know Said you know how's it going? How do you? Do? I mean, this guy. I was I was excited about him last year. You know when we and right before he got hurt. If you'll remember, we had you one said of these, it on the OTP. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I said this guy is 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 coming on because he's. You could just see him. You know, start to work into what he is, and and I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the club to see what he can do. But I think he'll be a help.
1: Well, Corey from Ottawa, Canada, kind of has a follow up question to that. He said, I love listening to the show. It's hard to get Titans content up here in Ottawa. Question for the group, where is our linebacker opposite Harold Landry going to come from? Will it be from the draft or free agency, or could it be someone like DeAndre Walker?
2: Group? Uh, I think it's going to be a combination of a lot of guys. I mean, you know, we've got Correa, who obviously depends on what happens to him in free agency. He ended the season really well, but, uh, you know. Then you got DeAndre, I think the draft. I mean, I look at the team needs and where it needs to make strides in 2020, and I think edge rusher is one of them. I think you need more of a consistent uh, pressure coming from the outside. And, uh, you know, when I look at uh, this year's draft class, uh, that that is one of the areas I think I'd, I suspect the team would be looking at. But I think it's going to be a combination of a lot of guys.
0: Cameron Wake's another interesting name, too, to see if at age 38, He wants to make another run at it. And there are a bunch of guys in free agency that are really intriguing. If you decide to allot some of your resources in that area, it means you're going to take resources away from another area because you think that this might make you better. Kansas City did that with Frank Clark. They let Justin Houston walk and they went and traded for Frank Clark and then gave him a contract and he played really really excellent fundamental football for them.
3: Well, that's 100% correct. And and those are all the avenues that you have. And and when you start to look at the list of free agents because you mentioned that Mike, there are guys. Now, some of those guys will be off the market because that is that that's a valuable piece, you know, to any defense because, you know, basically this game is is, is now, you know, move the football and if you're moving the football through the air, the biggest the biggest piece defensively is go get the guy that's moving it through the air. And so that's going to be that's going to be a part of it. And it's not just about sacks. It's about being able to put, you know, consistent pressure into and, and, and then to be able to walk people down when they do. Get off schedule. So all of these things, but they've got they're going to pursue all of these avenues. I've started. I've got a notebook over here. I've started the draft, I'm, uh, and and I started with you know with that position. There there are guys there now. There there's separations like there always are. Sure. There are levels, but that's that's part of being an evaluator. In which John Robinson and his group have proven that they're really good at evaluating those guys. I mean, it's not necessarily the top guys sometimes that make your draft. Some of the times it's those guys that you find that have a piece and a, and a function that fits what you are going to do and you're able to identify that.
2: Roberson's another guy, you know, who ended strong, who ended really well, and I'm curious to see what he he looks like well, here too.
3: And that, to my point, is one of those guys that they identified. Yep. They they you know Mike Vrabel they went and worked him out, you know, down there at Sam Houston State to watch him.
0: You brought know, him to, in for a
3: pre-draft. Brought him in for the pre-draft. Th- those, that's that's what talent acquisition is about is 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 digging and identifying and then being able to slot it.
1: All right, Cole from McAllen, Texas, asks, "Guys, what can the Titans do to start the season stronger in 2020?" Coach Mack, you seem excited about McAllen, Texas. You start us off.
3: I love McAllen, Texas. I've done a high school clinic in McAllen, Texas. Just for the record, <laughs> uh, 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 the where is McAllen, Texas? Right down there on the tip,
1: uh, down around
3: Texas. Corpus, Corpus Christi. Okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway. The thing, the thing that, the the question was, what do you do to to start, I mean, look, there's a long way, we don't even know who we're going to play to start out with, right? Okay, so I mean, you don't even know who who you play. So all of that stuff starts now with the talent acquisition. Then it goes through OTAs. Then it goes through you know once you do, once you find out who that who that opponent is, you know then you, then then you start to work towards beating that opponent because as we all know, and our listeners on the OTP know also, the National Football League is 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 really a collection of one week seasons. It's a collection of one week seasons, and so you do everything that you can to to put together a group looking at the big picture before you even know who you're going to play and then you start to focus on once we know who it's going to be so that's my best answer after 34 years of doing this
2: yeah and, and it's a team game but obviously you know you gotta have good quarterback play from the beginning I mean last year I look at the start I mean obviously the game in Cleveland was a was a beauty but uh you know you, you score seven points at Jacksonville you know you've you get sh- shut out against Denver. You score seven points against Buffalo. I mean, this offense was sputtering early last season. And then in week seven, when the quarterback change was made, the offense kind of took off. So it's a combination of the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, but the entire offense got to play better. And um, I think, you know, quarterback play was shaky at the beginning of the season.
3: <laughs> Look, last year's start was really good. I mean, I think how, how excited were yeah. we after yeah. that start at, at, at Cleveland, <laughs> after everything that had been made of Cleveland? I mean, so it, it's not how you start. It's how you play week to week to week that is so important because you talk about a – we, we just came off, to me, one of, the, one of the best runs that I've ever seen a team make in the National Football League, but it was a run at the end of the season. So you, you can't differentiate between start – middle and end it all has to fit together and as i said again it's a collection of one week seasons but it would be good to not start 2 and 4 that's well normally <laughs> <laughs> it worked out it worked out good it this did, year it did. You know, I, I would I, I would not want to draw to that stack again but, but uh, we've done it twice we're two of uh,
0: we're two of the only four teams in league history to start two and four and make an AFC championship game would prefer to do it you know from Any a five other and one. yeah that yeah. would be good and that's to your point is right <laughs> we would we would prefer that
1: all right David from the United Kingdom has an interesting question he said coach Mack had to have had a team that he cheered for when he first started following football then as he moved jobs his allegiance had to change do you still have a sore spot for a particular team or do you just move on and forget
3: is that- is that sore spot or sweet spot? I soft mean, spot. Soft <laughs> spot. Is that sore? He's in the United sweet? Kingdom.
2: That may be. Yeah, sore it spot. could be anything. I can uh, say this:
3: without, I went to when when I when I was a when I was a, a, a junior and a senior in high school. I worked at a summer camp down in the hill country, uh, down around Kerrville, and I went to the Houston Oilers training camp at Shriner Institute for two summers. Charlie Toler, that I love the Houston Oilers. I did. I mean, it's amazing, you know, because you know I, I went, you know, I went there, and of course everybody, a lot of people, everybody in Texas, you know, was a cowboy fan. You know, the whole Tom Landry thing, and then I went to TCU, so I was right there going across. But my first training camp that I ever went to as a high school junior and senior was the Houston Oilers at Shriner Institute in Kerrville, Texas. It was outstanding. So. Here I am sitting here right now.
1: Wow. Well, there you go. That's a small world. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But we do get asked that question a lot about as who you, you followed. Yeah. Well, who Jim you was followed. a Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah. You were an OJ fan. I loved the Bills. I
2: loved OJ. You know, that's my first memories of watching football the year when he went for 2003. And I was, I was you know, six years old. And uh, I still remember that. And I love the Bills, you know, from. Uh, from those days with Joe Fergus, the quarterback, and O.J. Simpson. You know, Miami had the orange. The electric company. Yeah, and I remember, you know, back when Monday Night Football, they show halftime highlights. That would be the only time you could watch the Bills, not like it was, when it was uh, with Sports Center around. So I was a Bills fan all the way through those days uh, when Jim Kelly was a quarterback. I actually drove to Atlanta and bought a single Super Bowl ticket and went by myself uh, the year they lost the fourth Super Bowl in a row. And, um, you know, had a Buffalo Bills beach towel that I hung out my college dorm window the, the year that they won one game. They beat the Cowboys, and I hung that outside my window. Uh, but it's different when you start to work for a team. All that allegiance goes out the window. I think I probably still have a soft spot for the Bills, but uh, not, not, it's not like it used to be.
1: Did you have a team you chaired for, Mike? Dallas team? Cowboys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, largely.
2: The Bills beat the Cowboys in uh, 1985, the yeah. uh, only win of the year. Yeah,
0: not a- in that Super Bowl, though, you <laughs> went to. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: and I hosted a great party that night. <laughs> no, the reason I followed the Dallas Cowboys was because of D.D. Lewis. D.D. Lewis is from Knoxville, and he grew up in my family's neighborhood in North Knoxville and went to my dad and mom's high school and – uh, they became Cowboy fans because of, of him and uh, another guy named Ron Whidbey, who was a football and basketball player at the University of Tennessee, who was a Cowboys punter. And so, yeah, I was a Cowboy fan. And don't tell I'm, – I'm glad I never had to say that in front of Mr. Adams. Because <laughs> I don't think Mr. Adams would have liked that very much. See, but, I, when, when
3: I got hired here, I told Mr. Adams that story that I just told right now. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and went, I like that. <laughs> you, <yeah. laughs> I was I was pretty good from that well, on. well. That, that
0: was one of the challenges for us, and I've I've said this on a few occasions. I didn't know any Oilers fans.
2: Did you, Jim? Can't say that.
0: I, I. I mean, and so we brought this team here that nobody really knew that much about. Mm-hmm. They there weren't a lot of players because when we tried to hire our first color analyst for Titans Radio, we said, okay, the the ultimate would be to hire a former Tennessee Vol who played for the Houston Oilers. That would be a great move. There weren't any. The, Oiler, the only Oiler that, that played at Tennessee was a linebacker named Steve Kiner who was kind of out there a little bit. <laughs> um, so good, we said – Pretty good player. Really good player. Yes, I, I really good player. Yeah. A, little bit of a little bit of a different character, but he didn't live here anyway. But then we said, okay, well, how about a former Vanderbilt Commodore – who played for the Houston Oilers, that would make sense. There weren't any. There was like a punter. And he was like from the early 60s or you know, there I mean there wasn't anybody. So we said, okay, well how about somebody who played for any state school who played for the Oilers, uh, Memphis or TSU or or whomever. There weren't any. <laughs> because the majority of the people who played for the Houston Oilers, they got the majority of their players from the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. There, there were they, they had signed over the years, C.O. Bricado and the rest of that group stayed around the Southwest Conference. So that was one of our real challenges is there was no allegiance in this area because there had been virtually no tie-ins. We didn't see them much on TV, and, and that was part of, of getting – you know, when the team came to Memphis and Vanderbilt, there were no built-in fans to go run, see them play – so we had to establish that identity. Long answer to your question, but it was a, it was a really interesting thing for us because we there was there was no connect. It was like they were dropped in on us. I had no opinion on the Houston Oilers. I rooted for them some weeks. I rooted against them some weeks. You know, I didn't know anything about them really. I knew Earl Campbell yep. and Dan Pastorini, but. You know, so in finding out more about their history and working for them this time, it's been really a lot of fun. You see, and I, uh, again. But you're a Texas guy.
3: I'm a Texas guy, and I'm probably one of the few that's been to their training camp in the Hill Country, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. And also, then when they moved, they moved their training camp to San Angelo. Right. And, and, And San Angelo is like 80 miles from where I grew up. And so, yeah. <laughs> I told Mr. Adams Natural all this. Built in. I told Mr. Adams all this when, when he hired
2: me. Here. I did not tell him my story, and he liked it. <laughs> he liked mine. Did you have uh, Mike? Did you have one of those wool jackets with the plastic sleeves everybody used to wear? Sure did. The, uh, with the I had the the Sears catalog. Yes, that's it. Uh,
0: my brother and I had bunk beds, and we had the Sears catalog NFL curtains and sheets <laughs> and comforters <laughs> with all the NFL teams.
1: That's really cute. Oh, love,
0: yeah. No, that's, it's, that's outstanding. That's, love it.
1: That's Lo- something. But,
0: the, but it seemed like the NFL, if you grew up in this area, it seemed like the NFL was in another planet. And so when we, moved, when we got a team here, it was like, this is the coolest thing yeah. ever. Because a lot of us were NFL, huge NFL fans, and never thought we'd get to see. It's like hiring Jim Hazlitt here. That's still so cool to me. Because I've watched Jim Hazlitt since he played for Buffalo, yep. and so to see him walking down the hall, you're like, that's Jim Hazlitt. How about that? He used to <laughs> coach the Saints. How about that? I mean, th- even after 20 years, that's still exciting to me because I was a fan of the league way before I ever went to work for a team.
1: All right, That was actually a really good answer. I'm Pleasantly, no, I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Wow,
0: thanks.
1: (laughs) Here's Bo from Big Stone Gap, Virginia, and he asks, Home of
0: Thomas Jones, former NFL running back.
1: Yep,
3: former Cardinal running back that Coach Mike drafted.
1: You drafted Thomas Jones. How about that? This world is getting smaller and smaller in here. I tell you what. What did you guys, especially Mike Keith, think of the XFL kickoffs, given that the XFL just became a real thing and we got our first weekend to experience all of that?
0: Kind of liked what they did. 91% of their kickoffs were returned as opposed to 36% of NFL kickoffs. I want to see more. I want to see how teams scheme it to see if they can break anybody loose because of of the setup. I, I think it's safer. Which is good, I think it's a way to potentially keep the kickoff in the game and have it be a football play instead of sixty four percent touchbacks, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was good. I thought the I thought the XFL overall was pretty good I, I I watched almost an entire game on Saturday.
3: I watched all four games. did you really? Absolutely I had one TV going watching them and had the other one going doing the draft, and the, the, Max the a
1: junkie the we thing, can't I turn know. him off,
3: but uh, the first person I thought of. All seriousness, which you know how serious Coach Mike is, All, it, uh, was Mike Keith on the kickoffs. I liked that kickoff. I like what they did. I did too. I liked that concept and it makes sense. And you start talking about if you'll notice, I mean, because I I started watching that for most all of them, every one of them, they tried to run a sideline. The, the 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 returner went to the sideline to, to try to take away the numbers to reduce the numbers. So I think to your point, what you will start seeing is you will start seeing some turns, you know, as to where they will try to. But I like that. I I I, I like that part of it. I thought of you immediately. It's I said. I hope, Mike, I knew you would be watching. It's I a said, better football
0: play than a
3: touchback. And and I agree with that 100%, Mike. And, again, that's my
0: complaint about the whole kickoff thing is I don't want to see guys line up and the kicker just kick it through the end zone. That's a waste of my time.
3: But I thought of you immediately when that thing started. and. The, the XFL stuff. Nice job. They did a, they did a good – the production of it was good. And here's the other thing that you can tell. I mean, you can tell money when you see money. It's got money behind it. You could tell just with the production.
0: Of well, that – and on. they're not and, – and Oliver Luck came out and said this, their commissioner. They're not trying to be the NFL. No. They're not trying to compete with the NFL. They're not doing what they did the first time around with – you know some of the silliness and stuff like that which i mean i'm i'm all for silly sometimes but th- this looked like just good football i i enjoyed it i'm going to be interested to see how the ratings keep up before we get to march madness you know that's their challenge is they've got to do well in february because when basketball starts to get serious and baseball starts coming around and then they have competition Can they get a niche established before that happens? But week one, I thought I thought nice work, and on TV, I thought they did a great job.
2: Yeah, and I flipped through. I can't say I watched games from beginning to end, but I probably watched a good you know parts of at least I think three games, and I was entertained too. Mm -hmm. And I like the kickoff from a safety standpoint; it's much better. You don't Mm -hmm. have guys sprinting down the field, and you don't have those high impact collisions. I was surprised more people. Didn't go for two instead of going for one. A lot of the one point tries, you know, were not successful. I think I'd go for two every time. I would go for two as well. Help your help your odds, and uh, uh, so I'm surprised more teams didn't do that. I'd be curious to see how that goes moving forward.
1: All right, Marty from Scotland, real quick, was asking.
0: Marty from Scotland. Marty
1: from Scotland. Like the country. Like the country, yeah, okay. not like Scotland, Tennessee. Is that a place?
0: Yep. It's over by Bucksnort. Yep, very close <laughs> no. to Bucksnort.
1: Scotland, the country. He asked, do any of you have any Scottish connections in your family?
0: Yeah, Keith Scotland,
1: there Keith Plaid.
0: I mean, yeah, we're Scottish.
1: Are you like Scottish royalty?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, Keith Scotland is well known for uh, wool, <laughs> shepherds. Most of, the, most of the people there are shepherds.
1: That seems about right. See, that is
3: the only type of information that you could get on the OTP.
0: I'm dying to go to Scotland to meet my, you know, meet my ancestors because that's a real, Jim's looking it up right now. Jim I'm, is Googling that's it. A, that's 100% <laughs> a real thing.
3: Yes. You talk about doing that, Mike, and that's a cool thing and you need to do that because, you know, I'm Irish and I went to, you know, I went to Ireland to do that. That's a cool thing to do. It, Yeah, I'm very interested to do it. it it's cool thing to do
1: well there you go marty, marty look him up when you get stay with over there. us
0: there on the otp we're talking I'm, I'm talking to my guy marty
1: there you go all right this is the last question you guys are going to think i made this up but i really didn't it came through the line titansonlinecom slash otpq andy from brentwood tennessee says i am suffering from some serious amy wells wonders withdrawals What happened to it? What's what's Brewing is a great segment, and it's awesome to hear from all of you, but AWW gave us an insightful and sometimes eerily dark look inside Amy's brain. Why not do both segments? Also, there's a caveat. Amy is definitely not paying me to say this just so that she can get a solo segment again. The people want to know.
0: Don't you think Amy Wells' Wonders became What's Brewing?
1: Well, yeah, but you all are involved. Amy Wells' Wonders was just me.
0: But you're the one that came up with What's Brewing.
1: I did. And I expanded it to the masses.
0: But I mean, do, so I mean, isn't that the answer to the question? Is He's, that you basically did away with Amy Wells' wonders when you came up with what's brewing?
1: I think so, but I think Andy wants more. Okay,
0: meat. you think so? That's I, the answer.
1: I think Andy is asking why. Okay,
0: then what do you wonder not, right now? Tell us. Well,
1: I'm wondering why you guys don't want to give me more time in this podcast.
3: You're hosting the <laughs> podcast today.
1: I'm just giving the people what they want. What was it, my
3: man's name from Brentwood? Andy. Andy. I. The consensus at this table right now, I just took a vote. Everybody (laughs) loves Amy Wells Wonders. There it
1: is. (laughs) It came through. I am just I am just the (laughs) conduit. I'm the one asking the questions of the O T people. And you guys get a great job.
0: And if people want to ask their questions again, tell them I mean this is not the Jim White mailbag. No. (laughs) No, this is different. It's totally different. Jim, is there anything in here you would like to steal for this week's mailbag?
2: A lot of great questions in there. There were good questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of good ones. Uh...
3: I really like the OT people.
1: Yeah, I I do too. I'm a big fan. The
0: OT people. I I couldn't believe the response we got on the road trips during the playoffs. I was dumbfounded by how many people listened to the podcast and and just elated and how nice they were about it. I mean, it was really – it was really heartwarming.
1: Everyone has been exceptionally kind mm-hmm. regarding the podcast as we've kind of gotten this thing started and have continued to try new things and change it. People have been just so gracious. To I'm trying us. to get.
0: I want Jim Haslett on the podcast. I want to sit down and talk. I want to hear some stories from Jim Haslett.
1: Has has got some. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, he's a former
0: linebacker. Has has so got that, some. So
3: that's you start there. Yeah, I just. Hope he doesn't tell any concerning he and I both. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's a really good football coach, though. And I, he is a good dude. When too. Jim told me, he's like, "Hey, I think it's Jim Haslett." I was like, "Seriously? I mean, yeah. he's really this is Jim Haslett." I've always liked Has a lot, you know, as
3: as as just a guy
0: too. Yeah. Well, and he, he fits the head coach's kind of mix. He's a ball coach, right?
1: What more can you ask for?
0: Again, tell people how they can ask the questions.
1: TitansOnline.com slash O-T-P-Q. Keep them coming because we will do more of these. I think these shows are so fun.
0: Jim Wyatt has done a great job at TitansOnline.com recently. You've written a lot of really good things. The thing comparing the leaders from 2018 to 2019 was fascinating.
2: Yeah, and you can tell how big of a jump this team made in so Mm -hmm. many different categories compared to a year ago. A lot of them... You know, A.J. Brown established himself. We talked about him earlier, Ryan Tannehill, obviously, Derrick Henry. uh, You know, great strides by this team in 2019. And now got to figure out here uh, to try to keep as many of these guys with the squad and have momentum going into camp.
0: Jim Wyatt at TitansOnline.com, senior writer editor. How can you follow Jim Wyatt on various social media platforms?
2: Uh, at J Wyatt Sports on Twitter and Instagram.
1: At TitansAmy A-M-I-E.
0: And you were on one oh four five Coach Mac yeah. at what time? All the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's on twenty four seven. I saw they're promoting okay.
2: him. I'm sitting here on Twitter and they're promoting him being on today. Yeah,
3: I'm on I'm on I'm on uh, uh Officially, I'm on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, but I I pop in a lot. I had dinner last night at the Southern. I had uh, the person serving said, Coach Mack, really glad to have you here. I really enjoyed you and Mike Keith. Oh, that's. But I also enjoy the Titans podcast.
0: Wow. Hey. Better
3: known as the OTP. The OTP. Which is...
2: Good mention of the Southern in there, too. I like how you work that in. That's a good spot. So, Connors and the Southern get props this week after Crystal last week.
0: There you Crystal go. Crystal got some love. Didn't
1: Crystal they? did Crystal get t- some yeah, love. Yeah, Crystal
2: was fired up about the mention. They were
1: very excited. Um, I'm going to the Southern for dinner tonight, so there's nice. that Another shout Another
0: Southern mansion. No, uh-huh. <laughs> there's <laughs> that shout out. That in there. I really am. That's good. 5.30,
1: I've got reservations. All
0: right, well, good for you. <laughs> well, we, that's why we need to conclude this edition of the OTP <laughs> so you can make it. Otherwise, she would keep talking. For Amy Wells, Jim Wyatt, and Coach Dave McGinnis, Mike Keats says, thanks for listening to this edition of the OTP Q.